Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I'm your host, Louise Solis, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend. She's my favorite game show contestant, the mixtress DC Gina. Hi, Louise. <laughs> that's I exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> oh, you're a little far, far, Chris. My little Bob Barker. Yeah, so, yes. like, I, it is game show time, Gina. All right. I'm so in. let's play Name That Fellow. <laughs> okay. You're going to get this, I'm sure. Okay, at, right. birth, at birth, he was a hefty 13.5 pounds, and he was born in Hoboken, New Jersey. Need more? Imagine that. His father... His father was a bantamweight boxer, and he fought under the name of Marty O'Brien. I know who it is. Okay, are you sure? Keep okay, going. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. His mother, his mother was influential in the Dem- in democratic circles, and she made him um, be the best dressed kid in the neighborhood. And this stuck with him throughout his entire life because he was always known as an impeccable dresser. That's right. You got it. I mean, so, should I say it or should I wait? Okay. I'll wait. You t- okay. Going. Give so, me the last back. Okay. Well, there's a couple, but you jump in there anytime you know. He uh, was actually really good friends with President John F. Kennedy. But do you know, as a young man, he was arrested for seduction and later charged for uh, adultery because she was a married woman. So I'm going to tell you this. My Aunt Teresa has been dead for like, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years. But if I didn't know it was Frankie Blue Eyes, she'd come up from the grave and smack me in the face. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You are give me the winner. <laughs> give me the last fact, because I think so everybody these, knows. So the, the, here's a crazy thing. So apparently his son uh, was um, kidnapped and held for a $240,000 ransom. I did not know that. And he was safely, safely returned to him. But apparently uh, Frank Sinatra had to call them from a, a pay phone, you know, Okay, millennials, it was a phone that you had to put money in so that you could make a call, and they were on the street corner. Just so, and during the call with the with the kidnappers, he ran out of money. He didn't have any more coins in his pocket. So for the rest of his life, he had a roll of dimes in his pocket. But again, that. that's cool. Fortunately, fortunately, he did. Um, um, he was that his son was returned to him safely. So anyway, um, the other thing I had for you is that Lauren Bacall actually is the one who deemed them the Rat Pack, and they actually referred to themselves as the Summit. That was something Lauren Bacall did. They did do it themselves. So and then the other thing I had who's under um, FBI uh, surveillance for over five uh, decades, with because of his. Uh, mob uh influences and that's our uh, connections and that's why jfk actually broke off their friendship and then unfortunately he died well he died he lived at 82 years and he died in uh, may 14th 1998 that is the end of your frank sinatra lesson for the day now ask me where <laughs> i got to see him sing live because this will be the best best thing ever gina where did you get to see in old blue Houston, eyes texas and i was the whopping age of six years old with my parents it was one of his last concerts at the Astrodome. Why were you in? I think I was Houston for you. I didn't know that. Most people don't know that, but I was. There you go. So there you go. <laughs> All right. So, let's bring it so, on. Who do we got today? So speaking of sultans of swoon, let's introduce today's designated drinker, shall we? 
<laughs> he is the ambassador. He is, hold on, let me get this right. He is the ambassador to the Americas for Amaro Montenegro. It's Tad, or uh, he, known as uh, Sultan Aswoon. Evidently, uh, I have never been called by that name before, but I, it has a ring to it and I like it and I'll take it. <laughs> I had to I find mean, that you're being a crooner yourself, apparently. Uh, a wannabe at most, I, I think, yes. But I am from New Jersey, um, and I do carry a roll of dimes in my pocket, but not for pay phones. You know, in, you know, in, in certain parts of New Jersey, if you don't have a roll of dimes in your pocket, uh, you're going to be in trouble should you ever uh, encounter uh, situations where you might in need to here, and here all along, all those girls just thought you were happy to see them. <laughs> Ish, I, I hope guess. it was more than a roll of dimes. Yeah, if it's a roll of dimes, I don't know how happy they would be. Uh, anyway. Maybe yes. we just take that part right up. How quickly did we go off the rails? Woo! Super quickly. <laughs> so please, so, so that everyone knows, please explain why you have such a connection to St. Frank Sinatra and make my intro at least make some sense. <laughs> uh, you know, well, okay. Um, growing up, my, grandf my grandfather was actually a big band musician. Uh, so I grew up as a kid hearing uh, all, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin and all the kind of crooners as well as Duke Ellington and, and uh, some other, you know, some other really well-known old uh, jazz artists and big band artists. So I kind, I, I kind of grew, grew up, not necessarily by choice, but have, being immersed and surrounded by this, by the music all the time. And just kind of through osmosis, uh, I learned the the songs and the mannerisms and the and the nuances and stuff. And then as a teenager, I I, I really actually began to appreciate uh, that it was part of my my background. So. That's awesome. But what are you doing currently? That's what's the the the, t the kicker here. Well, uh, why we bring it up now? Okay. Uh, what have you been doing during COVID? <laughs> quarantine has been. I'm. You know, I, I live alone on a little lake in in uh, New Jersey, and uh, uh, had you know had to find ways to keep myself sane uh, and occupied, but also you know kind of ways find ways to hopefully bring a little joy to you know, the throngs of people who, who've been stuck at home and, and uh, potentially over the last few months have been down and blue. So, uh, you know, I get my, my whisk out or my, uh, my uh, lemon squeezer and I sing into it without, uh, you know, with abandon, uh, sort of not, you know, ha just having tons of fun. Uh, I've never <laughs> had fun by myself uh, uh, in, in my life. Uh, nor have I orchestrated so many things because it just started on a whim. I just told Alexa to start playing something. I, no, good. And was on the phone with a friend who was actually herself very sort of having a, a down and out uh, depressive sort of night. So that's that's kind of how it started, just as a lark. And then uh, I think it's I think I'm up to probably seven or eight or nine different Frank Sinatra songs that, I, that I've done. Uh, and, I, and now I'm getting requests from people to like sing at their weddings or their bars or, or their <laughs> and things like that. Uh, so, you know, it's a, you know, a, a potentially a side hustle as a low rent lounge lizard. 
<laughs> but it's been a ton of fun. It's brought me joy, and hopefully, it's brought other people joy too. Hey, we all need a side gig. <laughs> Tad, Tad, Mr. Carducci, if you will. I have known you for decades and did not know that you a played the guitar or any stringed instrument or sang like that. So, you want to be a lounge wizard in any of the places I own whenever you want. I would. <laughs> I would. I would be overjoyed to do it. Thank you, Gina. That's right. I. That's right. I can't even believe how nicely you sing. No, thank you. It's oh, that's kind. nice. So how did, I know you, Gina, you and Ted go back a minute. How, how did you guys get to know each other? Or can we know that story? Bad thrasher. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm sure. waiting to see how she's going to answer this because I have an, I have an addendum to the story if she doesn't. Oh. No, you can give the, the original way that I met you was um, when Todd Thrasher first met you. And that was in... Um, when he was, I think he had, he was going to open or he was opening uh, his bar. That's how I definitely remember the first time, but I was terrified to talk to him. So uh, that was when I first met him, but I don't know when you think our first encounter was. Uh, I, I, I agree with you, but I think that our first time spent together, uh, you know, I think Gina and I definitely, uh, we're, we realized we were sort of kindred spirits very early on within a couple of minutes yeah. of meeting each other. But I believe the first day, night we ever spent together uh, culminated uh, at a strip club. Uh, very, very, very late at night or very early in the morning. This is such a better story. <laughs> this, that, this story is so much one better. looks at it. And I believe Gina Chirsmati was making it rain all over this strip club, purchasing lap dances for everybody she knew. Uh, and I immediately knew we were gonna be longtime friends. That's awesome. I love the fact that she's about eight shades red right now. That is amazing. <laughs> In a million years, I never thought you would have said that on the podcast, but I'm totally into it. It's fine. Shall I unsay it? <laughs> I. But no, it's okay. I mean, if my kids ever go to a strip club and they don't make it rain, our mama would not be so proud. So it's fine. I wouldn't think so. Tad, what? That was a crazy night. But that was also the same time I met you. So, I mean. Yeah. 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 And we were, I, yeah. It, was a diff, it was a different lifetime, different lifestyle for the both of us because neither of us had children. Uh, <laughs> we were on the road. We were out late. We were in bars. We were running bars, you know. Dying right now. It was fun time. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't happen very often. No, but you know what? We were lucky. We had we all came up in the industry at a time where there was um, no money, and you did it because you loved it, and we all did it because we loved it, and we we worked and we worked and we worked, and everyone always says, "Oh, you guys are so lucky." I'm like, if you ever knew how hard we all worked for you guys to get here? Yeah. You would. You would. Every time you see one of us, be like, "Whatever you need." Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Mixology when we were coming up was three bottles in this hand, a soda gun in this hand. Go, 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 go. Look up, take money. Go, 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 go. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very, very different game. I agree. I agree. Or sleeping in like three people in a room for tales of the cocktail or not sleeping at tales of the cocktail or sleep or wait you still yeah. do that gina you still what? have like three people in your room uh, always when we're I'm at tales the, hold on but i exactly. click the bill now 
Yes, you do. I, <laughs> I know how hard it is. Listen, I will tell you, bartenders, I don't care where you live in the world, are some of the hardest working people because you're Absolutely. the first in, the last to leave, your feet hurt, you smile all the time, and that guest might have come in at 5 o'clock and they're leaving at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're the person that greets them and you're the person that says, it's going to be okay, and you send them on their way. So not an easy gig. <laughs> no, no, I don't think anyone would, uh, I don't think anyone would say that, especially but not on this podcast. speaking of gigs, Mr. Carducci has a new gig. What new? Tell us about your new, I want, I want everybody to know what you do, Chad. Okay. Because you're, not, you're uh, no longer behind the stick. I am no longer behind the stick. Uh, I am the American brand ambassador for Amaro Montenegro which is right here behind me. Um, and I have been doing this now for, a, oh, look at you, uh, for about a year and a, uh, about a year and a half. Um, and prior to that, I had worked with, consulted with, as you know, uh, probably a dozen, a dozen or more uh, Amaro brands over the years and kind of helped raise awareness for the category because I love things bitter. I'm a bittersweet generally bitter, but sometimes sweet, uh, individual. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's a category I've, I've, I grew up with and have known and loved for so many years and, um, never, never would I have thought I would work for a brand having been a, a, a bar owner, restaurant owner, consultant for so many years. Um, but it's been truly, truly amazing. I get to, I travel around the, well, I travel around the country when there is a country to travel around and things are open. Uh, just educating, uh, educating bartenders and distributors and, and consumers and all kinds of people about Italian spirits and lifestyle and culture and history and, uh, and, th and throwing events and guest bartending and hanging out with bartenders and restaurant people who I love very dearly. So it's, um, so could be a lot, a lot worse ways to, to make a living. Absolutely. So tell, so for our listeners, obviously they, we're going to be lucky because we're going to partake. Um, how do you explain Amaro? Cause you know, I'm, I'm the novice. So, um, <laughs> other than hugging your bottle, um, yeah. <laughs> tell other me about than, the spirit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, um, Amaro in general, uh, for me, the easiest, the easiest descriptor, uh, that I, I've, uh, come up with or use the kind of most concise description is bittersweet herbal liqueur, traditionally drunk after dinner. Um, you know, you can, you can really just stop at bittersweet herbal liqueur. It sums up the entirety of the category from the kind of most sweet and gentle and herbaceous to the most bracingly bitter and astringent. Uh, so something like Amaro Montenegro, which is kind of light and floral and herbaceous and uh, bitter and sweet to something like Fernet Branca, which is intense and higher in alcohol and very bitter and very astringent. Um, so bittersweet herbal liqueur. Uh, Amaro means, uh, means bitter in Italian. So it's kind of a direct translation. Uh, and the category um, has been around kind of commercially for about 150, 170 years when the brands started coming um, becoming commercially available but the I, the idea uh, just like with vermouth and uh, aperitivo liqueurs and, and, and the whole idea um, goes back thousands of years to the the Roman Empire when these things would have been medicinal in origin and they would have been tonics or preventatives or elixirs for different ailments 
um, and they would have been different, you know, different botanicals, uh, herbs, spices, barks, fruit peels, roots, things like that, steeped into wine. And then it became into distilled spirits, uh, a, a thousand, you know, uh, right around 1000 AD. Uh, and that created distilled spirits were much stronger, created much more kind of potent, powerful um, tonics or, or tinctures. Um, and so it really stems from, you know, it's got, it's got a, a very long and very rich history. Um, what we know is that they're very good for uh, helping to stimulate the appetite or stimulate digestion. So whether or not they work as a panacea for all these other things, uh, we don't know and we cannot claim um, <laughs> you know, uh, that they make you hungry and they make you full. The Italians are, you know, Italians and Europeans in general are really are masters at, uh, you know, they're, they're, the culture is so tied into food. Um, they know how to drink before the meal, during the meal, and after the meal. Uh, so it's, uh, we, 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 I think we as Americans are, are, are learning. Uh, and, yes. and here's a, a very cool little thing that I think um, we take for granted and don't think about. Um, when we think about the idea of stimulating the appetite or stimulating digestion, um, we, we know it works, we believe it works, we see it in, in action, but why does it work? Why do these things stimulate our, our appetite or, dig or digestion? Um, for me, I mean, there, there are many reasons and many of the botanicals have different compounds that, that will help stimulate, but it really comes down to one thing, uh, and that is bitterness. Uh, because oh. in nature, bitter is a warning sign for poison. Um, yes. and, and in nature, if we consume something, you know, bracingly bitter, our body wants to expel it as quickly and thoroughly as possible because it's going to kill us. Um, okay. so when we, so the brain tells the digestive system guys, you know, overload, oh, kick in. Overload, overload. So you start to salivate profusely. Your, your esophagus starts to tighten up. Stomach goes. We create bile, blood rushes to the stomach, your body temperature raises so that you can get the shit out um, and have the best kind of possible uh, fighting chance at survival. But when you shrink the kind of dosage down and just consume something mildly bitter, uh, your, your brain says, hey, guys, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get anybody, uh, you know, but we start to flip the switches and we start the process, but we don't finish the process. Um, oh, interesting. interestingly, most of the botanicals that are in aperitivo or in vermouth or in other fortified wines or in Amaro in large quantities are toxic, um, you know, could kill you if you, you know, like just do tons of parts per million. But, um, but, you know, obviously in, in, in the very safe and delicious doses that we are drinking, <laughs> we get hungry or we, or we get unfull. Speaking of, Gina, do you think it's okay if we do a little uh, a little taste and just so we can talk yeah. through and tell me what I'm tasting? That's that's sure. the beauty of the show is I just get to taste it. Well, Todd's going to tell you what you're tasting. <laughs> I am going to just smell it. I'm going to tell you a funny story. My grandmother used to take Montenegro and she put it in sugar on her um, in the, on the table with a little bit of lemon and let it sit out because it was so aromatic. And when you add lemon to it, smells like you smell more of the roses yeah yeah uh that's amazing that's that's such an old school uh italian thing to do um 
Yeah. It's funny, Montenegro, Montenegro has so many, I hear so many stories like that. It, it, it has, uh, it, it becomes like an integral tool, especially with cooking or, or anything aromatic in people's kitchens all over the place. Uh, all right, so what you are tasting, I wasn't- I, I love wasn't, that you're, sorry, it's, glass, so. I should have asked. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> thank you, thank you, it's cheeky. Uh, all right, so Amaro Montenegro, uh, is from Bologna, Italy. Uh, it was created in 1885 uh, by a kid, essentially. He was 23 years old. when he, uh, His name is Stanislav Kobianki, the guy who founded Amaro Montenegro and created it. And he had just come back from uh, uh, sailing around the world on a merchant ship for like three years and collecting experiences and, uh, and botanicals, obviously, from around the world and came back and, and created Amaro Montenegro. So it's 40 oh. botanicals from all over the world. Um, and uh, some of them are from Italy. Uh, things like oregano and marjoram um, and wormwood, which makes, which is what gives Amar Montenegro its bitterness. But then, you know, cinnamon and, and uh, cassia and nutmeg and cloves and things like that from Sri Lanka, Vietnam, the Spice Islands, China, India. Uh, so it's really a very global Amaro, uh, where some are very regional and very specific to certain areas. Um, but that's part of what I think makes it really kind of cool is that, you know, the restaurant business is this, this hodgepodge of people from all over the globe, um, different cultures, different walks of lives, um, coming together, different, uh, different ways that we've all been trained, but kind of coming together um, to grow and learn and teach and share and creates this beautiful industry that is greater than the sum of its parts. And in a very small way, Amaro Montenegro is kind of the same thing. You know, ingredients from all over the world that came together uh, from different cultures, uh, married to Italian ingredients, to, and then, you know, creating something very unique, very singular. I think it's really interesting to your point. It made my, uh, it immediately made my tummy warm. Good. Yep. Good. Cheers, I didn't even wait. You're welcome. Cheers, <laughs> Salute. cheers to you. Cheers to you. So like Gina said, it's very, um, you know, I, on the Amaro scale, uh, Amaro Montenegro is one, absolutely one of the most approachable, yes. in my okay. opinion. Um, it's, it's got a nice balance of bitter and sweet. It's not overly anything. Uh, it's very balanced. We think about it kind of as circular, uh, no sharp edges, everything's sort of in balance, but tons of floral, like roses, absolutely. Um, violets and, and, and other flowers too. And then orange peel is a huge one. Um, and then for me, that kind of cinnamon and nutmeg and things like that come in. But you also get ginger and chocolate and- All those baking spices. When you said, Tad, yeah. when you said oregano, right? So like my family is from Northern Italy and then I have family from Italy, but like the oregano the, is so different. It's like very light and um, the leaves are very soft. And as you go closer to the south, they get very pungent yeah. and tougher and smaller and rounder. So they're like even more concentrated. And I, to this day, in my garden still grow two different kinds of oregano. I use one for pastas and I use one um, for like salads or something if I'm going to infuse. Right. But this one, that floralness, that rose definitely comes from that northern um, style of oregano, which is more floral. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, interesting. Especially using yeah. it. It's really nice. Yeah. Agreed. And there's also, um, you know, so, so 
things like we use three different types of oranges, four different types of artemisia or wormwood, which brings that kind of earthy floral um, bitterness, and then cinnamon and things like that. But also um, one of the big ones is coriander seeds, uh, which we don't talk about often. A lot of people don't think about, but that sort of dried lemon peel, citrusy sort of note uh, comes from, from coriander seed too. It's kind of a cool one. It's really complex. You talk about it being bitter, which it is. It definitely is. But um, just for our listeners and people, I know Amaro is sometimes um, less known spirit um, for the novice, for the novice. Um, um, It it does. I mean, when you said that coriander, that lemon, all the, they're really beautiful notes. And some of them are really small. And then Mm -hmm. you just listen to them. They're there. You just have to open yourself up to it. It's well really, said. And, well said. and having, yeah, creative director, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it also helps like having drinks with guys, with guys like you, like you and Gina, because you start, um, guys, well, you know, you guys, you know, People? you guys, are, you guys, um, it, it helps. It's yes. Yes. Folks like you, everyone should, everyone should No, but I mean, Dad, like, let's um, take a drink. Smart folks like you help us understand what's in there. So thanks. Jesus, right, Gina. Listen, such an asshole. And I'm stealing that from you, Louise, if you don't mind. Just listen. Just listen. They're there. <laughs> uh, I, like, I like that one. I like that um, I feel like we need to make a drink. Okay, what are we doing, Gina? All right, so I am going to make my drink frozen, and I'm hoping that everybody has a blender. Is that true? We do. Yes, it is true. Okay. Yes, miss. Fabulous. So one thing I love is our bitter cocktails in the summer, and I love grapefruit and gin and Aperol and all of these things, right? So Aperol already is um, is also a bitter ingredient, and you can make this drink shaken all together if you want, or you can change it up, but how I want to present this cocktail is a little bit different. We're gonna actually use the um, the Montenegro as a floater, and we're gonna introduce this as, as a whole different uh, for, for our listeners. This is a little bit complicated, a little bit more complicated, but a lot more fun. So we're gonna do one ounce of gin of your liking. I am using forged gin. You could use any, in this, in this cocktail, you should use what you like. And then I'm gonna use Aperol, because Aperol and Montenegro are very nice friends. How much Aperol do you want? One ounce, sorry, one ounce of gin, one ounce of Aperol. Okay. Now we're going to put grapefruit juice in there. Now this is subjective, okay? If you're a grapefruit um, juice uh, holic, which I am, you can put in two ounces of grapefruit juice. If you like a little bit less, you are welcome to put in one ounce and just a little bit uh, a little bit of water. But two ounces of grapefruit juice, that's what I, I, that's what I want to say. Two ounces of grapefruit Okay, let's do it. All right. So now you, you're looking here, you're like, well, that's really not that much of a drink. We're well, going to add one cup and about a quarter of a cup of ice, if that makes a lot of sense. Because it's a small, it looks small, right? But there's a lot of, there's a lot of, you know. No, for, yeah, but frozen yeah. drinks, I think that's a common, common misconception. They put too much ice. How's that, Gina? That's about what okay. you said. Yeah, so like one cup. Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Okay. So so it, it actually translated, right? I was yes. like, I was writing the recipe and I'm like, does that does that work? I don't know. All right, everybody blend.
back. What kind of glass are we going into? Anything, anything you want. So pretty. Right. I didn't blend mine. Layer it up. Sure, the tie does the same thing. And then we're gonna float our Montenegro around the side. So it's like a little island. Oh. Right? You have this beautiful little float happening. And then one thing that I, you know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of the proper garnish. And you can do one of two things. You can use a little bit of grapefruit skin. Um, so you basically make a little bit of like a 50 cent piece. And you're gonna put it across the top and give it a little bit of, of zest. And then if you have pink grapefruits and you want to make it you just did. like a little bit um, pretty, prettier. Look, pretty, I did a perfect already. one. Look, Gina, I need you to rub my belly. Look how good that is. That's, that is perfect. <laughs> that is gorgeous. Just give grapefruit. Would Dale approve though? Dale the girl. And you kind of like, you put it like this. And if you were a Catholic or grew up Catholic, God, does this not look like your first yeah. communion? Absolutely. Like symbolicness. <laughs> so maybe we'll call Let's it the see, first communion. Who knows? There we go. Mine isn't quite as good as yours this time. But look. It's really good. It's delicious. I think Cheers. 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 Salud. I'd like to live on an island that was surrounded by a sea of Montenegro. Um, yes. Myself. <laughs> that would be a good place to live. Uh, What's can wrong I? With that? That would be a, a drunken, drunken day. Yes. yes. <laughs> Every but day. Our, but, our, but our bellies would feel incredible. Our digestive <laughs> would be in the top form. Uh, if I can, and I want to throw in there too, uh, you know, I work in the Amaro category, but also the aperitivo, the before dinner, before um, <laughs> eating uh, side of things too. Um, I, my, the color of mine is a little different. Um, I didn't have any, I didn't have a bottle of Aperol because I have drunk all my Aperol. Um, uh, so I use, I'm using uh, a different one. This is called Select. It's from Venice. Um, and it's cool because I think we don't really think about this category very often. We think a lot about Amaro because there's so many different brands. Um, and really we've only seen, we've seen Aperol and Campari and maybe like Contrato and Galliano. There's only really been a small handful of brands, but now all of a sudden people are paying attention to this category and we're seeing more and more and more brands uh, with different flavor profiles. Um, so for me, like, you know, we all crush Aperol cause it's so delicious and it's so kind of light and orangey and orange blossomy. Um, but there's a whole kind of range of different things in there. So like select is a little more savory. It's more like juniper and rhubarb. It's a little more uh, I don't know what the word is. It's like savory and um, a little uh, more robust, I guess. Um, so, if, like you know, you can get different experiences within that same uh, category, and then you have things like Campari on the other end of that too. So you can really have fun with all all of these different products in the same so category. That the product you were talking about, Select from Venice, is that um, is that easily found throughout the United United States, or do you um, are you I looking in new more? Especially it's, bottle it's, shops. No, no, no. It's, it's, I think it's getting more and more easily found. Um, it's only been in the States for a couple of years, um, but it's 100 years old. It, um, it's been, you know, a staple in Venice and around Italy for 100 years, but it's, uh, it's only been in the States a, a, a couple of years. doesn't have, obviously, um, the kind of exposure yet, but, I think, but it's, it's around the country for sure. 
Great. Um, so it's time to do a little housekeeping. Gina, where are we going to go no. get this recipe? Where um, we get the recipe? Tad's going to call your house. Give me your phone number, Tad. I'm going to go to Designated Drinker Dot Show. Wait, what? All right. I'm a little bit umbriaco right now, so everybody calm down. You know what that means? Okay. Look at my face right now. I'm so right. It's, 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 it's like affecting me. Um, it's designated drinker dot show. You can find out all my tips, tricks, and how to's right there. Look, she's doing great. <laughs> yes, you can find all of Gina's uh, cocktail recipes there from this show, as well as all the ones before that, before this one. A, a drink from Tat. Tat, will you share a recipe for us to post online? I would be more than happy to share a recipe uh, or two uh, with you. I don't know as though I could, you know, my recipes don't hold a candle to Gina. Gina Chersavani can make a goddamn drink. I will tell you oh, that. Uh, she's, absolutely. One of, she's one of the best, absolutely. Like drinks yep. that actually taste really, really good. Drinks that are actually intriguing and novel and very, very thoughtful. Uh, yes. I think a lot of, you know, a lot of people just... It's like, like verbal. Uh, never mind. Not. Di I was gonna say diarrhea, but no one wants to think about diarrhea and a drink. So, um, uh, I, I mean, unless you're into that. Uh, no. <laughs> Gina makes delicious drinks that work. They're not the easiest drinks to replicate at home, um, but if you know, for, for people who enjoy doing this. Um, and put in a little effort, they're absolutely magnificent. Yes, absolutely. You know, what's funny is that you talk about how you met Gina with Todd Thrasher. My story about that is Todd was on the, on the show. We did a two part episode Terrible. where, and, and I thought, oh, I'm sitting with two of the best, right? I'm sitting, hanging out with Gina and Todd, and and it's going to be a great day at drinking amazing cocktails. No, 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 not at all. We're at Todd's uh, new bar, and we're drinking shitty Chardonnay out of a can. I'm like, what is wrong with this picture? It was terrible, but yeah. I got... Uh, that day, that was very drunk. Shitty rosé in a can. <laughs> there it is. Oh, is Nothing's that changed. Yeah. Um, you know, this Todd Thrasher that you speak of. Uh, oh, the asshole. No, no, Todd Thrasher has been, you know, he's been known for, for years as also somebody very inventive with his, his flavors and his techniques. Um, knows a ton about wine and food and all these different things. But the fucker drinks... Captain Morgan and Diet Coke. And it's terrible. I, and I, I have, I've just, for years now, I've just been, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, I can't be one to judge. I eat sometimes Campbell's bean and bacon soup uh, <laughs> out of a can. I, I, I like McDonald's. I'm not going to lie about it. So I guess he can eat his, or he can drink his, his Captain Diet, but it's just, it's fucking repulsive. It's disgusting. Um, Todd's not even here to defend himself. That's no, exactly yeah, the way it should you know be. What? Hold on. <laughs> oh, hold on. Uh, we're talk, we're talking that shit. would be so funny. I'll do it. You know what? When, when, when DC reopens again, due to this time, we should definitely do um, something on Todd's rooftop at Tiki TNT, the three of us. Just, just, just only for the happy hour for like one hour because none of us could actually make it through the rest of the shift. No, no. We'll get the young guys to take over after we destroy the bar. 
I agree. Because I, I, I know that I have I have done like two or three hour guest shifts behind some of your bars. And even in that time, it was enough for me to destroy the bar and have other bartenders like Frankie, I believe, like say, yes. get this guy out of the bar. He's, get him out of the bar. Frankie um, would... Frankie's always like, God, who's coming from New York? I'm like, oh, my friend yeah. Chad's coming. He's like, great, can't yeah. wait. Yeah, they're coming. Yeah, they're, you know how I knew. You know how I knew I was. I was. I was done or needed to be done as a bartender. We uh, opened a bar. I was an owner of a bar called the Tipler in Manhattan wow. uh, that opened in 2011, and it was the bar. You know, it's still going, and it's a massively busy bar. Uh, it's a big bar and it gets crushed and we've got all kinds of cocktails and wines and beers and different things. Um, my first Saturday night shift at the Tipler, I wanted to show the team that I, you know, that I could do it better than everybody and <laughs> be a leader, uh, in the trenches. My first Saturday night shift, um, I got on the bar at seven or 8 PM and at four in the 4 AM, was the first time I was able to step away from the bar. I mean, got annihilated, destroyed. Um, cleaned up, went home, woke up the next morning at about 11 o'clock, um, and I couldn't feel my limbs. I couldn't feel my feet. I couldn't feel my hands. I, could, I felt like I had just been in an MMA fight cage match um, <laughs> where I was just really, you know, I was the punching bag. I was the training <laughs> Uh, I was destroyed. That's when I knew, you know, hour, two hour guest shifts. I'm good with that from now on, from this yeah. this point. Yeah, Gina lets me do um, little guest appearances at Suburbia. So all I'm My doing is pouring. Stream. Yep, I'm pouring uh, frozen cocktails or opening beers and just having mm -hmm. them maybe pouring a shot or two. I'm not doing the real work, but even that, I mean, because you're on, you're like, yeah, of course. I, and I love, I love doing it. It's so much fun, but I'm only there for a couple of hours. And at the end, I'm like, whoo, I'm tired. Like, and yeah. it was, I'm not even, I'm not really making cocktails. I'm just pouring what Gina has already put into yeah. the frozen machines. And, yeah. but it's, it's fun. But even that, like that, that, um, being the host is, yeah. is it's, it's, yeah, it's fun, but it's tiring. Yeah, it is. So, you know. so, so and, Gina, you know, me, and me, uh, you know, uh, now that I, I turned 28, I'm like, this is hard. Yeah, I know. Those bones at 28, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know that that was 19 years ago, Gina? Jesus. 19 years ago. <laughs> Bringing you back to Italy. Those little old ladies, they go up and down the mountains. They go all around the streets. They're in their 90s. They literally climb some of the steepest hills. And their legs, phenomenal. But I feel like this, if we don't continue to do that as like an industry or go behind the bar, whatever, you're going to forget your legs and then, you know, can't do it anymore. Yeah. We got to do it always a little bit. Yeah. Um, no, it's, you, you can't stop. You can never stop. You have to, you have to keep going. You have to be active. You, you have to be working. I agree hundred percent, but there's an additional, you know, the, there's, there's a lifestyle element. There's a mentality that they have that, that I don't know as though we truly understand. And that's, there's a vivacity, uh, and, uh, sort of ex everyday exuberance about even little things, um, that, that keep them, that drive them, that keep them, that keep them going and keep them healthy mentally and physically and spiritually, uh, that I think we as a nation need to, uh, 
embrace and and uh, and learn. And you know what? If I may, you may. Uh, okay, you know this this last fucking couple of months, few months. You know, 2020 can kiss my ass, and it can kiss everybody's ass. This has been uh, the, the craziest, most exceptional year. And obviously, uh, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic globally um, is such uh, is such a, a horrific thing. Um, but the, if I can call it a silver lining, you know, I think one thing that we're learning. Uh, that we have learned is to slow is to just is to slow it down. Um, you know, we, we we haven't had a choice, but in that in that you know the the isolation, I think a lot of us have had to learn to find joy in being home, find joy in conversation, find joy in cooking, um, find you know find joy in the very very littlest simplest things, and and it's I think it's hugely valuable, and I and and I hope. That it's something that's it's going to translate and is going to become woven and rewoven kind of into the fabric of our lives. But I think Italians understand that, and I think especially the older generation just you know slow it down and certainly yeah, singing into a lemon squeezer uh, <laughs> um, is something that people should be doing um, far more. Often. God, I think no. you should close out the show. I think you should just close out the show. <laughs> no, no, wait, wait. You call. can't close it yet, Gina. You cannot close it yet because oh. you've got one question left Todd good lord I do I have one all right I told you I don't know what happened <laughs> so in this world of like all the kids your kids that identify themselves with like the honeybee and they're like dad I really I love it and I need like the honeybee pillows and all the stuff if you can identify yourself with one ingredient what would that ingredient be and why so what's your spirit ingredient yeah Spirit or cocktail ingredient? No, spe- any spirit ingredient. It could be pepper or could, whatever you want. It could be a food. It could be a, a cocktail. Yeah, it can be a, an ingredient. Yeah, something you can't live without. Or defines you. Embodies you. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is the kind of question you have to give somebody like a week to prepare for. Okay. Sin- All right. Be- because we're, we're talking things Italian and I have it on the mind, um, I am going to say, I, I'm going to say basil, um, because basil is something that I use in many different forms, whether it's sweet Italian basil or purple basil or Thai basil. Uh, I use it to cook all the time. I always have a plant, uh, going somewhere in my house. Um, and I'm all, and I'm always snipping it off to throw either like into, if I'm making like a margarita or something like that at home for, if I want to press a date or something like that a couple leaves of basil um uh in in and in so many different foods i make ramen like for the kids i'll use shitty instant ramen throw an egg in there a couple basil leaves and they think i'm a hero um (laughs) it's it's incredibly universal um and it's you know it's a variety of anise uh but it's a very specific variety you know of of like sort of anise flavors that is a bridge um, you know, and it's a bridge for many different things. So maybe I just, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I see myself as a bridge, uh, a cultural bridge, a bridge, you know, bringing the joy. I'm really talking out of my ass now. <laughs> I am a human basil plant, Gina. Cheers, <laughs> uh, I love uh, it. 
Thanks. This is the best answer ever. Thanks. It is great. It is great. So, Gina, you were suggesting Tad do what now to get us out of here? I think that we end the show with Tad singing us a song. Or just sing and then we'll close the show. Janice, can we do that? All right, what do we want to hear? What about a little Louis Prima? Shall we do that? Lena. Uh, no, let's do, we'll do Frank. We'll do Frank. We'll do Frank. Since we opened the show with Frank, we should close the show with Frank. Um, uh, shit, now I'm on the spot. Uh, so, well, it's, it's, uh, summer's, summer's here almost. Yes, it is here. Uh, the summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. I lingered there. Touch your hair and walk with me. (laughs) We sang a song and we strolled that golden sand. Two sweethearts in the summer wind. (laughs) Yes! Cheers. 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 Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a huge, huge pleasure. Bye. Very much. Bye. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. To learn more about HCOA or to find out about Missing Link's other podcasts, head over to missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company. 